Warning, this podcast may contain content and discussions of a graphic and mature nature. Some material may be inappropriate for children, and strong adult language may be present. Listener discretion is advised. to another episode of The Devil's Hour, a podcast for the strange and unusual. I'm your host, Darius, and today uh, I have two co-hosts with me instead of one, because two is better than one. I have co-host rejoining us, uh, Carl. Hello. Nice to have you back, Carl. And then I have my sister, Jubilee. Hey, how's it going? Thank you guys for being here. So yeah, this is the first time I'm having two um, guests or co-hosts at the same time, so this should be a pretty cool experience. should be fun. Nice little conversation. Um, but before we get started with this episode, I just want to, um, we don't have any, there's not really any like uh, horror or like true crime news or events going on that I've heard about or anything. Uh, but there were two, I guess like, I don't know what you would classify them as, scary movies kind of, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that were released recently. Or type thriller situations, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Conjuring 3 and A Quiet Place 2. Um, Which I, I love them both personally. You saw them? Yeah. I thought Quiet Place 1 was better than Quiet Place 2. What? But yeah, I mean, it's just... Ooh, they're I, kind of the same movie. I this, disagree. You know, same story, kind of. Wow, but yeah. They're still good. It wasn't really that scary, but... Interesting. I mean, it's still interesting. It was a good movie. I didn't see it, but I saw The Conjuring. And to be honest, it wasn't as good as the first one. Yeah, I mean, like... It's more on the same level as the second one. Like... Interesting, but not not what I thought it would be. Yeah, I also saw them both, and um, maybe we'll do like a movie review of them, maybe, but honestly, I don't know. But essentially, Conjuring 3, personal opinion, Conjuring 3, I, I was disappointed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was kind of a, a very weak ending to the series. That's just my personal take. Conjuring 1 will always be the best in my book, as far as like Conjuring Universe movies. Mm-hmm. And then A Quiet Place 2, I was... Um, I liked the first one, but I went into the Quiet Place too. Like I don't know what, what I was expecting. Just I guess like a decent movie. I guess like not really high expectations, but I was actually really impressed. I liked it a lot. I thought it was better than the first one personally, but uh, at the very least, it's as good as the first one. But I think it's better. But you guys should go check those movies out if you're into horror movies. Um, those are the two newest ones that I know of um, that are released. And my friend, uh, my friend and bandmate. Shout out to Angel if you're listening. Uh, he actually just gave me his uh, like login information to Shutter. You know, you know what Shutter is? No, I don't. Oh know. no way! What is you it? You don't know what Shutter is? No. Oh, never heard of it. <laughs> uh, Shutter is uh, <laughs> the password. It's like. Oh jeez. <laughs> oh yeah. What's what's his password anyway? Yeah. Uh, it's his. Uh, I'll I'll text it to you after the show. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, it's it, it's essentially like um, a streaming service, but for like horror movies and, and shows oh. and thrillers stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I haven't honestly. I haven't even logged in yet to take a look at it. I don't know if there's any like like mainstream or like big horror movies mm-hmm. on there or if it's just like B movie you know there's like yeah. a lot of B movies and stuff I don't know either way I think it'll be interesting to take a look at so gotta check that out um, 
But yeah, anyway, so let's get into the actual episode. Okay, so uh, for today's episode, um, we're actually going to be covering a a very old case. Um, It is an unsolved case. And this case actually happened in our very own backyard, front yard, whatever you want to call it, uh, here in in Austin, Texas, Bat City, USA, as the kids like to call it. Um, So today uh, we're going to be talking about the Servant Girl Annihilator. Uh, no, I didn't make that up, and uh, no, that is not. That's got to be like one of the all-time best serial killer names, right? No, for sure. It sounds like an anime. It sounds like a metal band. <laughs> yeah, like, like a death metal know. band. Actually, there is a metal band called uh, Infant, Anni- Infant Annihilator. Damn, it's a like death metal band. Yeah, they're pretty heavy. But uh, but yeah, the Servant Girl Annihilator definitely a cool name. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about like during that time period the, the serial killers had cool names, you know People just wrote better back then I feel like Pr- you're probably right because like the way you guys name was like some writer that was living there at the time When he was writing about it uh, after the fact uh, He came up with that name like the newspapers back then didn't call him that during while, while the killings were happening But uh, it was some author that was living in Austin uh, Around that same time period that came up with the name really yeah, well, see I didn't even know that but I mean, that makes sense what you were saying. Like, I just feel like people back then wrote better. Cause like, mm-hmm. I don't I feel like most people today are just like- It's just like 140 character tweets. Or yeah, whatever. exactly. <laughs> They're so used to like texting, like, you know, like mm-hmm. spelling your, like you are. Yeah. Uh, and, and stuff like that. So. LOL. Stuff like that. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, so um, just to start off this case um, with some quick information about, well, the killer and the case. The Servant Girl Annihilator began his crime spree three years before Jack the Ripper claimed his victims in London and eight years before H.H. Holmes built his murder castle. So, you know how, like, when I did the episode of H.H. Holmes, like, America's First Serial Killer? <laughs> yeah. And he's actually Don. He actually is is called America's First Serial Killer. Like, but by, he really wasn't. But he really wasn't, so I was lying, so. Yeah. No, I wasn't lying, but. He, are you going to tell everyone that him and, uh, Jack the Ripper and Agent Holmes are all the same person again? <laughs> no. They're all pretty similar crimes though. Yeah. I mean, kinda. Yeah, I mean, different t- different instruments of, of murder, but we'll get into that, you know what I mean? Um, no, I don't. <laughs> well, you will. <laughs> you come to the right place. Um, so, yeah, so okay, so the uh, Servant Girl Annihilator, he began to spree three years before Jack the Ripper and eight years before H.H. H. Holmes built his castle. Um, Servant Girl Annihilator, he claimed a total of eight known victims, well, eight known murders. Um, there is reports that he like assaulted and, and tried to kill other people. I don't know, there hasn't been any like definitive evidence for that, so I'm not gonna actually be covering those. I'm just gonna be covering the actual eight uh, known victims and murders. Um, his youngest victim was actually 11 years old, uh, and all the murders took place over a year and were shockingly violent. So his his crime spree, yeah, it only actually lasted a year. He, he it's not like something that lasted like decades or anything, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah so it was only a year, and, um, and to this day, obviously, to this day, the case remains unsolved, and the killer has never been identified. Dang. Or has he? <laughs> dun dun dun. dun, dun. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's set the setting. So the year is 1884. Um, these murders took place 20 years after the Civil War. Austin was on the verge of transitioning from like the rural town into like an urban city with people migrating there for work and school. Um, a Capitol building, the Capitol, the state Capitol building was actually under construction at the time of the murders. And uh, Austin had three colleges uh, already in the city and plenty of saloons and, and restaurants places of work and all of that So it was it was on like the cusp of like 
a booming city, you know what I mean? A lot of people moving in and stuff like that. Kind of like how it is right now. Exactly. You know? All right, so let's get into the actual murders. On New Year's Eve of 1884 in Austin, Texas, the servant girl annihilator would claim his first victim, a 25-year-old servant girl and cook by the name of Molly Smith. Uh, she was attacked in her bed, um, and Molly was uh, living on West Pecan Street with her boyfriend. Uh, and what happened was the following morning after her attack, her bed was found empty with an axe and a trail of blood right next to her bed. Um, it was reported that it looked like there was, or there had been a struggle in the bedroom. Um, Molly's boyfriend had been knocked unconscious and Molly's body was found outside of her home. Yeah, uh, she was found dead with the hole on the side of her head. Um, that wasn't her ear hole, right? No, it wasn't There's her a ear different hole. different hole someone put in there. <laughs> different hole, yeah, definitely different hole. Uh, That's pretty bold to just break into somebody's house. Like, like Jack the Ripper would kill people on the street, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like outside. I feel like that's bold too. I mean, they're both pretty, pretty crazy, but it's just something else to go inside somebody's house, you know? Yeah. It's, it's definitely a crazy person. Would agree. Um, okay, so that was the first murder. Uh, so for after the first murder for five months, there were no more killings. Uh, and then in the spring of 1885, the killer would strike again. Um, Eliza Shelley was the name of her of his second victim. Uh, she was a cook for the Johnson family and in the middle of the night on May 8th Someone broke into her bedroom and murdered her um, Eliza's small children would be a witness to this murder. Actually, they were present at the time However, they were too traumatized uh, to give any useful information about it um, It was reported uh, that she had a gaping wound over her right eye thought to have been done with something sharp like a hatchet. Um, kind of makes sense like why her kids weren't able to testify. I mean, they're really young. I'm assuming like two or like three or four maybe. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they, they, the police weren't able to get any useful information. It's another break-in. Another break-in where the person wasn't home alone either. That's Exactly. Crazy. Yep. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Starting to see a, a pattern develop here. You know? What I think is crazy is like how did he know that they were like servants or cooks? You know what I mean? Like he must have had to be close enough to them to where he knew like, oh, this girl's obviously a cook or she's a servant or something. Cause you, you back then you didn't just like walk around in your chef's coat or whatever. I might've Or maybe you did, but yeah. you know, like there had to be like, he had to be close to them to know like, I know that girl, she mm -hmm. works at this house or, oh, you know. I see what you mean. So you, you think that he actually knew like the victims or, or knew like what they did. Yeah, some, I even wonder, was he like, was he someone in society, like a big wig in society? Because like, you would have to know like who works for who, like, mm -hmm. oh, Molly, she works for the Smiths family or something, you know what I mean? Right, right. Also back then, like houses and estates and stuff, they had like servants quarters, you know? Mm -hmm. They would live in a different part of the house, different, like a small little room, stuff like that, so. That could have, you know, that could also tip you off to who the, who's a servant and who's not. Also, they might just dress different than anyone else, and, yeah. and that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, that's actually 100% true, and we'll see that kind of come into place in in later, uh, in later scenarios, I guess. Uh, but yeah, like a lot of these, a lot of these servants lived on. I, I would actually say most of them lived on the property of their. I don't even know what you would call them. Estate. Like, yeah, or, of their, I guess, uh, boss's estate. Yeah, uh, they they lived like in a little house, like you know what I mean. Either lived in a room or they had a little house. They had their own quarters, but yeah, that's usually how it went. 
Um, so that was that was the second murder. Um, it looked like so far both of these murders had been done with a hatchet or an axe. So after the second murder, the pace of the killings quickly um, accelerated. Accelerated, yeah. <laughs> quickly accelerated. I don't even think that's <laughs> an oxymoron. I know. I was gonna say. Uh, and two weeks later, on May twenty third, eighteen eighty five, Irene Cross, uh, a black woman living with her nephew, is murdered the same way at night. Um, a reporter said that she looked as if she had been scalped with a sharp knife or instrument. Uh, so this one is a, I don't know, this one's a bit different. Uh, I know this is the only case, well, you know, I don't want to give it away yet. I don't want to give it away. But I will say that, um, you know, a reporter said that it looked like she had been scalped. Immediately I thought, okay, so uh, immediately the, like, the instrument or the tool used is different, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Like a sharp knife or so I thought. But then I was really thinking about it and I was like, well, technically she could be scalped with an ax if you think about it. Yeah, yeah you just um, gotta, you know, kind of get the, yeah, like the blade in there, move it around enough to get... Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> right. So it could have been an ax. So there's not really any proof saying that the same instrument wasn't used. It's just a theory, I guess, at that point. And it's still shocking that he's doing it in front of or around other people. Like... My thing is, wouldn't that other person hear and try to like fight back or? Yeah, that's the, that's another kind of conundrum. I mean, the other times, I don't know. It just says that she lived with her nephew. It doesn't say like. He might have not been there at the he, time. Yeah, he might not have been there. Could have um, been asleep. Could have been a lot of things. Right. Yeah. We do know he wasn't harmed though, um, if he was there at the time, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or he could have been the ax murderer. The be, nephew? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's Who knows weird. how old he was? Nothing gets by you. No. <laughs> See, if I lived in Austin at the time, mm -hmm. and I was a detective, I might have solved this. That's all I'm trying to say. You know? <laughs> all right, some confidence there. Uh, <laughs> so the fourth victim, so after this after this murder of, of Irene Cross, the fourth victim of the Servant Girl Annihilator was uh, tragically 11-year-old Mary Ramey, um, who was living with her mother when she was murdered on August 30th, 1885. Um, the man whose residence, well, it's actually the boss. So, so the boss, um, Mary's mother obviously was a servant. Mm -hmm. And so they lived with her boss, um, on his residence. Uh, so the man whose resident, you know, Mary and her mother lived with or, and worked for, um, he, he said he heard a strange noise in the wee hours of the morning. And when he opened the door, he got up and opened the door to, um, like Mary and her mother's living quarters. He said that he saw Mary dead on the ground uh, and that she had been, uh, been beaten over the head and had a long spike of some kind driven into her ears, piercing her brain. Um, to make things even worse, so that's weird, but to make things even worse, uh, this 11-year-old girl had also been raped oh by gosh. the perpetrator. Um, this just added to the level of like horror and fear of those living in Austin at the time, especially among the black community. Uh, because they were the only ones who were being targeted, it seems. Really? Well, I mean, at the, you know, at this point in time, this is the fourth victim, and they'd all been black. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't say that, did I? No. Okay, yeah. Well, all of the, all four of the, of the victims so far have, were black. Um, then I, that leads me to believe this is some type of, like, hate crime. Like racial crime? You think yeah, it's racially? Yeah, like a race thing. And a lot of times, serial killers kill within their own uh, race, though, you know? Um... But for the times, you know, like we're in the South, like Texas, and like although slavery had been abolished, it was still, or had it been abolished yeah. at this point? Yeah, it was 20 years after the Civil War. Yeah, but there was still so much like laws against like blacks and like people of color getting 
you know, like having better lives, you know? Mm -hmm. So that like, I don't know, for some reason that makes me feel like this might have been racially charged. Yeah, no, that's uh, definitely some interesting points. I definitely see where Carl's coming from in terms of like a lot of crime happens. Like it's a lot of uh, ra racial, like interracial crimes. Mm -hmm. but then I see what you're talking about, especially during this time period and it's Texas. Yeah, Texas. Texas was part of the Confederacy, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, obviously the Ku Klux Klan was in existence. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely reasonable, reason, reasonable to believe that these crimes were racially fueled. Mm -hmm. Um, but I guess we'll never really know, or will we? <laughs> no, I'm we always gonna, <laughs> I'm always gonna end the question with <laughs> yeah. that. Or, or maybe will we? not. Maybe not. Who knows? Stay to the end. Yeah, you have to listen to the end. Um, so okay, so yeah, that was the the fourth victim on that one and and so that 11 year old girl actually mary ramey would be his youngest victim that he claimed um and so the people in austin at this point um were you know outraged because of everything that was happening mm -hmm. and they were they started to call for new leadership and officials for the city because they felt that the police and the officials weren't getting the job done and that they weren't catching these killers because actually the police at this time police thought that um it was multiple people. They didn't think it was one person. Uh, at this point in time, uh, the police believed that each one of these victims had been killed by, like, an ex-boyfriend, an ex-husband, or, yeah, uh, an ex-boyfriend or a current boyfriend, current husband or an ex-husband. They thought it was someone, you know, they thought it was different people. They didn't think it was a, a serial killer on the loose or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I think as a result of that, like, the majority of the Austin population believed the same thing, you know? Yeah. They thought it was... Uh, like just domestic violence, pretty much. Yeah, like or that. like, yeah, they just thought it was like, you know, just normal, I guess. I don't even want to say normal, they but probably homicide. Hadn't, obviously, they hadn't seen anything like a serial killer before, you know, or heard anything about it like that. Right, yeah, so. that's true. Um, yeah, so they thought it was uh, just one, uh, a bunch of different people making these murders. They didn't connect, they didn't connect any of these cases together. Um, despite the similarities with them. Um, yeah, so the people in Austin, you know, they were outraged. They were calling for, for uh, new, new elected officials, a new police, new police department, all, these, all this stuff. So the servant girl annihilator's fifth and sixth victims would be uh, Gracie Vance and her boyfriend, Orange Washington. Orange Washington? That's <laughs> yeah. a dope name. Orange, Orange Washington. Washington. Also, I couldn't say that with a serious face. Orange Washington. O.W. O.W. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, yeah, pretty cool uh, initials, O.W. Yeah. But orange, orange, I don't know. Orange watch, like, I mean, it's just weird. Like, yeah, it's my, my friend. <laughs> it's my friend Orange. Friend Orange. <laughs> you know? Y'all are messed up. That's his I mean, name. I don't know. It's just still. <laughs> they call me Naranjo. <laughs> Naranjo. What does that mean again? Orange. Orange. Oh, okay. oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm Hispanic and I don't even know how to speak Spanish. <laughs> Disgrace, I guess, right? Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, Gracie Vance and her boyfriend, Orange Washington, were the servant girl annihilator's fifth and sixth victims. Um, they were murdered on the night of September 28, 1885, and they were both black. Um, so just, that guy was the first male one, right? Yes. Male victim? The first and only male victim, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. He probably so got, he probably tried to put up a fight, right? He probably got in the way or something. Yeah, I'm thinking it was more of he got in the way because you got to remember, like, this servant girl annihilator, he would like break into their homes, really more, in my opinion, sneak into their homes so that they don't, he doesn't wake them, you know? Yeah. And then kill them. Well, that's the thing. He didn't kill them. Um, he would like wound whoever was like in the house that was not who he intended to get, you know what I mean? Because what, what he would do for most of these people, what he would, um, he would 
get the, the women and drag them outside mm. so that he could have more time with them uh, so he wouldn't kill them, you know what I mean? He'd break yeah. in pretty much just to drag them outside. To like, he'd beat them, knock them unconscious, and then bring them outside. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, in this case, with her boyfriend, I don't know what happened. It doesn't go into specifics, um, but more than likely he probably woke up and tried to, you know, like, and saw that he was trying to like take his girlfriend, you know, mm-hmm. drag his girlfriend. So he probably tried to put up a fight and that's probably what happened. Um, it's important to note though that like, the servant girl annihilator had only killed people of color uh, at this point, um, but his final two victims would not only be killed in the same night, which would be December 24th, 1885, but they were both white women also. Um, their names uh, are Susan Hancock and Eula Phillips. Both women were dragged outside of their homes and killed in pretty much the exact same way. Um, both women were killed within an hour of one another as well. So this happened the same night, relatively Christmas Eve. Yeah, Christmas Eve. Yeah, and those were the last two murders, um, which is crazy. So the the, the crime spree really only lasted like a, pretty much exactly a, a year. Yeah, almost exactly a year, a couple of days removed from a year. But yeah, so it was a very short crime spree. But as far as murders go, the, those are the eight murders and and how that sort of happened. So um, now we'll sort of look at like the evidence and what. You know, investigate like the trial because there was a trial actually. Mm-hmm. We'll look at the evidence in the trial. Um, so with these eight murders, there were definitely some similarities, but there are also some differences. Uh, for instance, an axe um, may not have been used in every killing, but again, it's it's hard to tell. Um, there was an axe found in in several of the killings. Um, again, like with the whole scalp thing, you know, it could have been a knife, could have been an axe. No one really knows. Um, Additionally, in some cases, there were evidence of sexual assault or violence, and in others, there were not. Um, but almost in every case, they were beaten like over the head with something like a blunt object of some sort. Yeah. A blunt or a sharp object. So they were definitely beaten, and whoever this killer was is, is brutal, you know what I mean? Like, they yeah. don't care that... They don't care who it is, I guess. Uh, obviously, he killed an 11-year-old. Yeah. Um, and then we see that the first six victims were black and the last two white. Um, so that's, that's a bit of a difference there. My detective skills tell me, according to my calculations, I feel like maybe he was a white, like a white person in society just because like maybe the two women that like were white that he killed, maybe one of them found out and he killed her because she knew and maybe that night like her friend just happened to be there. Like he was, t- like she was probably, t- you know, us women, we love to tell our friends stuff. <laughs> I'd love to tell my friends stuff. Well, they were like different so houses imagine- though. Oh, they were Yeah, like they were different. Houses. He like killed one girl at one house and he left and went down like the street or something. I don't know if it was down the street, but yeah, but different house and killed someone else entirely. Yeah, um, within an hour. I think they're both pretty young. They're like teenagers or something too, right? Yeah. They're like 17 or 18. I don't know how old, um, what was her name? Eliza Phillips. Eula Phillips, <laughs> Eliza. No, no, no. Uh, Su- so Susan. <laughs> Damn, missed that show. Nineties yeah. kids. <laughs> What's up? What's up? No, okay. So Susan Hancock. I don't know how old she was. She was probably young though. Mm-hmm. Eula Phillips was fifteen when she passed. Um, well, so. at that age, wouldn't you like tell your friends? I don't know. Like confide in your friends about what? Like if you knew, like if you knew someone, if you found out a secret that someone was like, I saw or I. I saw him kill someone or I 
I have a feeling it's this person. And wouldn't you tell your friend, like, at that age when you're 15, and you're like, dude, guess what? I just, this guy just killed someone, and now I know it. <laughs> oh, then, so your your theory is that Eula Phillips or one of them saw this person kill someone? Either saw or, like, just had, like, an inkling. Like, you know how sometimes, like, you're hearing all this news about a killer, like, mm-hmm. killing all these people, and then you're, like... You know, you kind of try to do your own investigating, and then you're like, maybe this guy did, and he knew that you sort of had an inkling to it, you know? Like, And if he knew, he's like, well, I know, like, I'll kill you, but I also know that you hang around this girl all the time or whatever. But, like, what would make you think that they knew, or he, or one of them knew? I don't know. I'm just saying, Oh, you're like, just spitting theories? Yeah, I'm just saying okay. a theory. Like, that's why I feel like... Well, how weird that they're the only white girls that he killed. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're and saying were they servants too? Uh, no, they weren't. They're the only two that weren't servants because exactly. obviously because they're white. <laughs> well, yeah. And but. back then, obviously. So okay, so I see what you're saying. Sorry, I was confused for a bit. So you're saying that you believe that the only that the reason why he killed these two mm-hmm. and the only, the reason that they're white and not black is because they knew something possibly yeah that could jeopardize like him going to jail like so yeah. they knew possibly who he was or they'd saw yeah. something exactly ah uh, like, two three okay okay i feel like he had to be somebody of obviously because i i'm assuming he's white just because of like all the murders and who he was murdering before yeah. and because they were servants you know like obviously if he's somebody of, of, like, white, like, he could be of higher society or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like, why would you randomly kill two girls that happen to be white? They're not servants after you've been killing nothing but servants. Yeah. Like, someone had to have known something, so maybe these girls knew something, and he killed them. Interesting. Want to hear my theory? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And that's why you guys are here, right? Just to hear me talk. <laughs> I'm here to hear your voice. It's probably a person just wanted to kill people, right? Mm-hmm. And if you want to kill people, you maybe pick like the most vulnerable of society or people that might not be missed if they got killed, you know? Mm-hmm. And back then, you know, people didn't really value their lives as servants, or especially, you know, like servants of color. African American. You know? Yeah. And so that's probably how he got his start, you know, obviously. And then, like, he had racked up like six kills at least at that point. Yeah. Probably felt a little bolder, a little braver. He's like, okay, I, I'm pretty good at this now. I can, you know, expand my, my demographic here. And maybe he just saw an opportunity, you know, he, that night where he killed one girl and was probably really riled up and crazy. That's why he killed two in the same night. That's the only night he killed two in separate locations That's in one night, you know? But and I also think, like, don't murderers love the attention of, like, that they get from people like once you kill somebody and it starts making news like don't some of them get like this adrenaline like oh i'm like the zodiac killer like you know how Mm -hmm. like he fed off of people being so interested in his killings and like maybe he got like he got off on killing these people and Mm -hmm. wanted to be famous for killing but not get caught you know what i mean and like if he did feel that way then he might have thought like you know, I'm killing all these servants and, like, nobody really cares. Mm. If I kill, you know, different types of people, it might attract more attention, you know? Maybe. And so mm-hmm. that could have led to that, too, you know? Yeah. That's true. Seemed to have it. The one consistent thing is he seemed to be really fixated on killing women specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The men was just, it it's, reminds me of uh, the Night Stalker. In a yeah. sense, this guy was, like, the original, original Night Stalker. Because we have mm-hmm. the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. Then we have the Golden State Killer, but his his original name was the original Night Stalker. 
mm-hmm. which um, you know, Golden State Killer, or whatever, in California. That was like in the '60s or '70s. Uh, but this guy he was like the original, original night stalker because he did essentially what Richard Ramirez was, would do. He'd break in at night, uh, and he would you know drag these women. He would sexually assault them, and then he would kill them. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, same in this in the same aspect of Richard Ramirez. He like the guy Richard Ramirez would preferably attack women who didn't have guys there because mm-hmm. um, they were like weaker, you know, more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if there was a guy there, he would take the guy out first. And that reminds me of this guy or this killer because it could be a woman, right? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, it reminds me of this person because this killer because they would, you know, like that one guy who, you know, that, that one lady who was with her uh, boyfriend, Orange, Orange. <laughs> Sir Orange. Uh, rest in peace, Orange. <laughs> rest in peace. <laughs> Your memory lives on. <laughs> and so he, he killed Orange because he was there and um, he probably put up a fight. Uh, I don't really know the specifics. And uh, just to get to the girl and get to, you know, uh, do what he he essentially went there to do with her. So, yeah, it reminds me of that um, in, a lot, in a lot of ways. I forgot what I was going to, where I was going to go with that. But Probably nowhere. <laughs> Honestly, you can't say that it could be a girl because how did the little girl get raped then oh, that's a good point and honest yeah. and even if you think you, women can't rape people jubilee i think Christ. they can but um obviously it had to have how been dare you like undersell women penetration i mean she could <laughs> oh how my dare God. you undersell women <laughs> how dare you assume they i know first of all if as a woman um if a woman were trying to drag me out of my house and at the time women were very different but if a woman tried to drag me out of my house, I'd snatch her bald. But if it's a man, oh, yeah. obviously you're going to be a little bit more like... You'd still I like mean, fight back though, I hope, right? Oh, of course. <laughs> I'll scratch your fucking yeah, but, eyes yeah, out. Yeah, but this girl's 11 years old, you know? Yeah. And like for the other women, they probably did fight back. But if it's but a if, man, yeah. it's a if little bit harder. It's it's hard in general just because... Also, if you're like, they were asleep. Yeah, you're cut off guard. Yeah. And they have you a wake weapon. up getting hit in the head by an axe, I feel like it'd be kind of hard for anybody to... Yeah. Like, just, oh man, there's a hole in my head now that wasn't there when I went to bed. <laughs> or like he hit them with like blunt objects, you know? Yeah, that's a lose-lose situation, I think, you know? Um, but yeah, so it reminds me of Richard Ramirez in that way. Like he's the, the original Night Stalker and what he does, like his MO. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, um, so we, we also see like just going, examining the evidence further, like six out of the seven, uh, sorry, six out of the seven women um, who were attacked, they were dragged. Um, unconscious but still alive and killed outside like in their yard mm-hmm. so it's interesting like in almost every case minus orange when they because obviously he was a male and they killed him he killed him in his bed and then irene cross i think that was her name irene was the only woman who wasn't dragged outside and killed um but all the other women were dragged outside um sexually assaulted and then killed um that also feeds into my theory of maybe he just wanted it like if you, if you get killed in your house, it's going to take a couple of days or, like, maybe he wanted people to see, like, them murdered. Because, mm-hmm. obviously, you walk past the house, you see someone dead, you're like, oh, no. oh God. You know, <laughs> like, be there. maybe yeah. he's, like, that was his way of being, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, for the famous type, like, maybe he wanted... So you think he wanted... Notoriety. notoriety. No, yeah, notoriety. For his crimes. Because why not just kill them in their house where they were at? Like, you could have easily hit them over the head, dragged them off the bed. Yeah, so we will go into that Mm -hmm. further um, just because I think an investigator, former detective, kind of touches on that a little bit who worked on the case. He touches on why he he believes that the perpetrator, like, dragged their bodies outside. Uh But, yeah, so that's a good point. But, yeah, um, we we will touch on that a little bit later. Um, 
But, you know, with all of these attacks, you know, the victims were killed at night, as you know, and they were asleep in their bedroom when it happened, when the killer broke in and assaulted them. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the similarities there. Um, you know, the cops did not think it was a serial killer and did not believe these killings were all connected even. Um, and, they, you know, they would interview boyfriends or husbands, believing them to be the killer. Um, or killers, since they believed it was multiple. But even after eight people were murdered, even after even after like all these similarities, even after all these similarities were visible mm-hmm. with all eight crimes, even after the white women were killed, um, you know, investigators still thought it wasn't a serial killer. Like no one believed it was. Um, so that that's the kind of like the crazy thing about it too. But in 1885, Austin had a 12-man police force. And according to a retired police officer by the name of Doug Dukes, um, they had plenty of crime to deal with at the time, but very little experience with detective investigation or modern police work. Um, During that time, police would rely heavily on eyewitness testimony and the use of bloodhounds. So essentially what Doug Dukes is saying, and he's a he's a retired um, Austin police officer, mm-hmm. is he's just saying that like at the time there was only 12 men on the force, police force. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of crime going on, um, but they just didn't have the capability or the experience of how to handle it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, specifically like homicides and stuff like that. Um, so they just were, did not have like modern technology. They used bloodhounds. Uh, I was When I was doing research, like he was talking about how they used... Um, like in some of their cases, right? They would use a bloodhound to smell the blood, and wherever the the bloodhound led, uh, wherever the bloodhound led them, yeah. If it led them to like a house, and there was a guy in the house, they would automatically just arrest the guy because that's where the hound led them. You know, yeah. Not exactly the best, you know what I mean? Yeah. Most foolproof way of going about yes. finding a killer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um. So as you can tell, it's very archaic the way they would go about solving cases. Um. But during the investigation, police were especially hard on African-American males. Hundreds were rounded up and interrogated. Uh, several of the questioned suspects later stated that members of the Austin police would take them out and try to beat a confession out of them. Jeez. Yeah, so they tried to beat a confession out of them, and one even threatened to hang them if they didn't tell the truth. So lynching was used as a threat. Wow. Kind of, yeah, it's like... Well, there you go. I mean... <laughs> kind of ties into what damn, you said Texas, about the racial but, thing. I mean... Yeah. I mean, granted, this is 20 years after the Civil War, so it's like, I mean, the Civil War was... I mean, just up until now, recent. I mean, obviously, we're still seeing racial prejudices now, oh, yeah. but, like, can you imagine back then? Yeah, kind of like, the, you know, the Salem witch trials, it's like, people who weren't actually witches, but they were, like, beaten and tortured so bad that they just confessed so that they would stop being tortured. Exactly. Kind of reminds me of that, you know? Like, these people were just, like, beaten by police officers... And why didn't they do that with the white men? I'm sure those hounds exactly. led them to a white person's house. You know what I mean? It's the racial aspect of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, this historian and former detective uh, being interviewed, Doug Dukes, um, says he believes they were just trying to arrest anyone and everyone in the hopes that they would get lucky and get the killer off the streets so that the public would be satisfied and feel better. Mm-hmm. So he feels that, like, you know, the police weren't really even trying to catch anyone. They were just trying to, like... They were just trying to, like, I mean, that's the whole, like, were, beating them until they confess. They just wanted to get someone so that the public would be satisfied and they could just, you know, yeah. continue on with their day-to-day, you know? Um, so, touching on the final victim, Eula Phillips, um, who was in bed with her husband and son during the time of the attack. Mm. Uh, her husband, James Phillips, or obviously he goes by the name Jimmy, uh, he claimed he had been attacked 
by the perpetrator, but he couldn't remember what exactly had happened. Um, the son in, was laying in bed between them, their little son, mm -hmm. uh, and he wasn't harmed, but Eula was dragged outside and was killed out in their yard. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like the same MO on that one. That's what's interesting to me about the 11-year-old. Like, you know, because not only Herb, like this one, he's a young little boy, but is I think it was the first victim, right, that, that she was killed in front of her children? Uh, second. Was the the second, second one. Like, why? I'm sure, were they all really young? Like, how young were they? Yeah, they were young. My guess is, like, between, like, two to four. I don't know. Maybe even younger. Yeah. They're probably, like, yeah. Probably so why, like, spare certain children, but when it comes to, like, this 11-year-old, did you feel... Did he feel like... Well, also, back then, didn't people, like, marry people who were, like, 14? Yeah, like, 13, 14. 13, 14. Really so ele 11 is probably, like... I mean, almost, in their eyes in, back then, like probably a teenager. almost mature, you know. Yeah, I don't even know. It's hard to imagine. Plus, that. the other kids might have been like boys or something, you know. Maybe he just didn't want to. He wasn't interested in boys at all, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, in this case, it was the son in the bed, you know. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, Yola's husband, Jimmy Phillips, he was charged with her murder, and he was taken to trial for it. Mm -hmm. um, the prosecution claimed that he murdered his wife out of anger and jealousy because she was cheating on him and seeing other men behind his back. Um, there is evidence. The crazy thing about it is that there is evidence that suggests that Yola uh, actually was having an affair with a man running for governor at the time. Um, she belonged to the streets. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Dang, she belonged to the streets. It's weird, but honestly, oh you're kind God. of right, and you're about to find out why you're kind of right. It doesn't mean she should have gotten killed. At, no, 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 no. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, Sex workers don't deserve to be killed. Exactly. I may have said so. I may have said too much, but you're, you're about to find out. Okay, so like an hour before, okay, crazy information, but like an hour before she was murdered, Yola had visited Tobin's whorehouse. Uh, which is a brothel, and she counted uh, an African-American brothel owner among her associates. So she was actually friends with a brothel owner. Mm. Um, so the theory is that Yula was either acting as a prostitute, like she was actually, the theory is like she was actually like living a double life and like mm. playing like housewife, but then actually like doing prostitution work on the side. Yeah. Or she, um, since she was friends with the brothel owner, was just using one of their rooms for her and the men she would have affairs with. Um, you know what I mean? So those yeah. are the two theories. Like, she was either just doing prostitution because she was promiscuous and or wanted more money. I'm not really sure. Or she just happen. used one of the rooms to meet up with her... Lovers. Yeah, lovers. I was going to say mistress, but I don't know what the guy version of mistress is. Uh, her side hoe. Side hoe, yeah. There you go. <laughs> side ho, Male side hoe. Yeah. <laughs> Um, hey, poor Jimmy. <laughs> Couldn't satisfy me. No, dude. Honestly, poor Jimmy, because like he's getting taken to court. He got cheated on. Got cheated he's like, on. Go wrong for me. Jeez. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> poor Eula. She's dead. <laughs> Acu well, yeah, both both I mean, ways. But accused of being, you know, your your wife's murderer and then yeah. being cheated on. But yeah, poor her too. I mean, she shouldn't. She doesn't deserve to die. But yeah, during the okay, so during the trial, the Phillips trial, uh, prosecutors brought in one major piece of evidence. Um, it's actually the biggest piece of evidence they were able to find at any of the crime scenes. Um, they brought in a piece of wood floor taken from uh, Yola's murder. Um, now this, <laughs> now this piece of the of the floor had a bloody footprint on it, um, believed to be the footprint of the killer himself. So Jimmy Phillips was made to put his foot in a pan of ink and then stand on a piece of board so that they could compare the two footprints. Dang. You know, like the whole like. 
if it does not fit, we must acquit. Yeah. Like, like the whole, uh, was that OJ trial? Uh-huh. Yeah, it was that sort of thing, but like in the 1800s. Um, but essentially what happened is Jimmy's footprint was not big enough and did not fit the other footprint. Um, yet, despite of this, like the jury still decided to convict Jimmy Phillips for the murder of his wife. Um, and he was found guilty wow. of, his, of her murder. Even though his foot was not big enough at all and it didn't match. It's um, like if the... If the print's the wrong size, you're telling lies, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Were you just <laughs> sitting there and thinking about that? Yeah, I was trying to think of something the entire time. I saw you, like, <laughs> your oh, eyes man. glaze over, and <laughs> yeah. I was like... His gears were turning. And I was, I was like, like what is he doing? Somewhere. What's that version of that? What was, what was the saying you came up with? Uh, if the print's the wrong size, <laughs> you're telling lies. <laughs> oh, wow, that's funny. I like that. I like that. That's, uh, you know, 10 points for trying. That's good. Yeah. Um, but it is it is it is good to know that like Jimmy's decision, I mean his conviction was overturned. So yeah. he didn't end up going to prison. But just the fact that they found him guilty in the first place was just evident that they're just trying to blame someone and get him in prison so that the public would be happy and so they can move on. You know, yeah. it's crazy. It's they, politics. They, they overturned it because I feel like back then if you got like accused of something, you were just kind of guilty. You know, and they just like threw you in jail. Dude, that is true, right? It's kind of yeah. scary. Like they like hang you for like no reason. Like yeah, you know. the judicial system was. I mean, it still is kind of like that, but. Well, it's a lot better, you know. Yeah. But back then, it was like the uh-huh. Wild West type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So why was this case? Yeah. So why was this case and the serial killer known as the Servant Girl Annihilator pushed under the rug? And like, why has it received so little coverage? You know, like, um, why is it like so rarely talked about? Because like, I, I think I say this about a lot of cases that I cover, but I feel like no one really talks about this case. I'm, I honestly have never heard of it. Uh, Carl was actually the first person to show me. This is why I did the case because Carl told me about it. Like, hey, you should cover, since we live in Austin, you should cover, like, uh, Austin's, like, there's a serial killer who lived here, like, in the 1800s and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? I'd never heard of him before at all Mm -hmm. or anything about this case. Um, So when he said that and the fact that, like, we live in Austin uh, and, and that this happened here in our own home, you know, home court or whatever you want to call it. I was like, well, that's crazy. So I started looking into it and I was like, wow, yeah, this is interesting. This was before Jack the Ripper, before H.H. Holmes. Like, technically, this was probably America's first serial killer. Although I'll probably find someone who was, you know. 1870s, maybe. Yeah, honestly. um, You never know. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I mean, killers have existed throughout all of man's existence. I mean, there's probably one like in ancient Rome or something, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, (laughs) for sure. Like Nero, technically, was a serial killer. He ordered people to die all the time, like Christians, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nero and just, I mean... Uh, What's his name in the Bible? The one that killed killed a lot of Christians that he ended up being an apostle eventually. Oh, Paul? Peter? Yeah. Dang it. Close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul. <laughs> so, I mean, I think, yeah, just from the beginning of time, you know, like, as long as men has existed, murders existed, and that's tragic, but, I mean, that's just how it is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, anyway, so, to get back to the question of, like, why this case has been talked about, I believe, I've, um deduced it down to several is that the correct term deduced it yeah deduced i've deduced it for to several reasons three reasons specifically um so the first reason i believe that it hasn't really been talked about or no one really knows about this case that much or doesn't get that much coverage is because it happened around the time of jack the ripper and his killing spree which was a more sensationalized and theatrical case um with the letters and the body parts being mailed the jack the ripper murders really took the world by storm like everyone was talking about jack the ripper not only was it a catchy name and the servant girl annihilator is a really catchy name no Mm -hmm. doubt like they're on par with each other those two names 
are that's like that's more iconic. of a mouthful though it is more of a mouthful but it's iconic you know yeah. like it's really Jack the Ripper flows better yeah okay. sure. yeah short and sweet you know short and sweet um but yeah, but Jack the Ripper, the Jack the Ripper case was a lot more sensationalized and theatrical because, like I said, the letters to the police, yeah. um, evading capture, the body parts. So I believe that's one of the reasons why this case gets overlooked a lot because they were they happened so close, you know, mm-hmm. to each other. Um, and then the second reason, I believe, is because it happened in Austin. And Austin at the time was a far away from any major like media hub. Like it wasn't New York, it wasn't Chicago. It had not yet become a major like urbanized city like it is, now. Like it is today, right? Yeah. You know, um, and even today we don't even have sports teams. So you know what the hell's that? What's that about? You know, <laughs> the Longhorns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we don't have like an NBA team or an NFL team. Um, so it's we just got like, great music and we have festivals. Great, yeah, ACL. That'll Home do. slice pizza. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, um, and okay, so that's the second reason. The third reason I believe like it doesn't get a lot of coverage is because of the race aspect. Uh, most of the servant girl annihilators victims were black, mm-hmm. and sadly, especially during that time, police and the media cared far less, if at all, about crimes committed against. Um, blacks as compared to when it happens to whites yeah. uh, and even today sadly even today that's kind of the case you know i feel like media coverage covers a lot more if it happens to a white person than it does to a black person yeah i think it's definitely gotten better you know with, especially definitely with the like race. the strides we're taking um like you would george floyd rest in peace and but i feel like we've definitely gotten better with that you know like speaking up about injustices happening to minorities yeah so i think that's we've definitely grown as texans you know there's a lot of people moving from california here and they're more like open-minded and but also like texans we're growing up in a generation where it's like way open-minded than our i mean don't get me wrong there are still some ignorant people but i feel like we've evolved pretty well or are doing better yeah i definitely think we're like every generation gets more and more uh as the kids say woke Woke. (laughs) yeah they become more and more like politically correct and and woke which is good you know like i appreciate it it's a lot of a lot of that um but okay so now that we've covered that we'll go into like the possible identity of the killer dun dun (laughs) possible identity right um because it is still an unsolved case uh, formally speaking but so in a 2014 episode of the PBS show History Detectives they look into the case and discuss how the bloody footprint that they found on the night of the Phillips murder in their home had some foot abnormalities some foot abnormalities sorry it's been a day specifically with the toes they're like the foot had abnormalities but like honestly what it was is the footprint was missing a toe. Like, oh. So they believe, you know, investigators believe that the whoever the killer was was missing the toe on one of their feet. Um, but how would they know that if it was like, a, it was a footprint, not a shoe print? No, it was a footprint. The, oh. the, the killer was barefoot. <gasps> okay. Yeah. You know why? Makes less noise when you walk in. That does make, yep, that's true. Oh, wow. It does make less noise. Um, so, let's see. Yeah, so after further investigation, uh, they were able to see reports where some other footprints were found at other crime scenes and one thing they all had in common was the size of the foot and the foot abnormality which is the missing toe um just to address kind of go back and address what you had mentioned earlier about you know like 
why you feel like he dragged people outside to kill him instead yeah. of killing him like in their bedroom. Yeah. Um, an actual like FBI like profiler said that he believes the victim took him outside of the house to the yard to give himself more time to have his way with the victim uh, before he kills them, which in most cases like involves sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, he could just kill them while they're in bed, you know, less risk of getting caught that way. Um, but he feels like he, that FBI profiler like felt that the reason why the killer would drag them outside was to just give himself more time. Oh, okay. Well, were most of the women with someone at the time? Like, um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, one had a boyfriend. Yeah, two had boyfriends. Two had kids with them, but one of them, um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, they, they kind of had a lot of people around. Well, mm. other people around. If there's more people inside, you know. Because yeah. otherwise, if they're home alone, you definitely have more time to, if you kill them, like, inside, you inside. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, back then, also, it was probably super, super dark outside. They didn't have, like, street lights and That's true. stuff like that, you know? Yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was probably very dark. Um, Just the moon and the stars. <laughs> a FBI criminal profiler um, on the PBS uh, documentary said that he believes the serial killer is a black male because, according to him, uh, most crimes of violence are interracial. Is what you were saying earlier. Black on black, white on white. And he said that happens across all races and across all age groups. Um, he also believes the last two victims were white because he believes the killer got cocky and believed he could now get away with like killing two white women since the police couldn't catch him up to this point. But wait, can I say something? Sure. I feel like, okay, yeah, that's for most cases, but also think of the times and Maybe this white guy got cock cocky about here I am killing all these black people, nobody cares. Like, maybe I should kill some white people so that, like, it'll be more notorious. You know what I mean? Like, the whole fame thing. Like, the times we're in Texas in a red state where there are slaves and servants and stuff, or not slaves, but servants. The slavery just ended. But, so that's why I feel like. Yeah, like it does happen more often, but think of the times, think of the state, like take into account, like maybe the white guy was like, oh, I've killed all these black women and I haven't gotten caught. Let me try killing some nuisance, like some white women that just, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's So you think I, it's a white person? I feel like it's a white person. Okay. I bet it was, it was probably like some like Asian immigrant or like <laughs> somebody no one you know thought like oh it has to be a white guy or a black guy. I mean like I don't want to put a race to him, but at the same time it's like, you're like this everyone's is a case. Wrong. I know this is you're a case wrong. of racist. It's the perfect crime. They never suspected me. <laughs> That's what he was thinking. Yeah, you guys are all wrong. Is actually a member of BTS. Don't ever, don't you ever. It's a Korean boy, boy <laughs> Don't don't attack these ignorant people. Oh my god. Uh, Army BTS for life. Yeah. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, that's the last time you're ever. Don't you ever. <laughs> Jubilee's not allowed on this podcast anymore. Shut up. She fangirls over K-pop too much. Okay. Anyway. I just appreciate great artists. Back okay. to reality. So the sudden cease of murders may actually help identify who the servant girl annihilator is. Because um, if we can identify, you know, someone, he was either caught or killed or imprisoned. Um, you know, obviously because his murder stopped after a year. So most of the time we find that killers live very close to the area of their crimes because they're like familiar with, with the area and the surroundings. So not only do we have like a general profile of what the killer may have physically looked like, but also where he would have been located. So 
Investigators believe that he was a black, a young black male um, with a missing pinky toe, and they believed he was very familiar with the area of where the crimes took place. So most of the murders happened around Congress and South Congress Avenue. He was probably a hipster then. <laughs> Which is very close to where, where we are right now. But yeah, so like he was definitely a hipster. You know, he had the comb over, the glasses, the tattoos, yeah. all that good stuff. Like yeah. collecting vinyls and stuff like that. <laughs> he was vegan. He uh, was basically you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically me. But I'm not, vegan. But I'm not vegan. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I thought about going vegan, honestly, but I. I was gonna say you. I just like chicken and fish. I've talked about it. I like just chicken and fish a lot, honestly. I don't. I don't even Uh, really. I don't want those animals to die in vain. You know what I mean? Like, I want to eat them and Uh, take their energy. What? Jesus Christ! Serving a greater purpose. Or maybe we shouldn't just. Ladies and gentlemen, you're you're witnessing like a live serial killers (laughs) in the making right now. Talking about wanting their energy and like wanting them to die for a purpose. That's serial killer talk right now. I know. Jesus Christ. Where do you where do you get off, man? Where do you get off? Where? Saying what? So yeah, so yeah, most of the murders happen around Congress and South Congress. Um, so he's a hipster, and the detectives uh, in the documentary they like map out. It's pretty cool. They map out like where all the murders occurred and it pretty much created this like big circle and right in like in the middle of the circle was Congress Avenue is like it's like the dead center, um, which at the time was full of like saloons and businesses where you would find like both whites and blacks like kind of like integrating. You know, it wasn't just like only blacks hung out there or only whites. It was like whites and blacks, you know, they both frequented. Um, Strangely enough, very strangely enough. The brothel that Eula Phillips was seen at an hour before her death was actually located on South Congress. So that was like really close to where, well, you'll, you'll find, I'm not gonna give anything away, but just keep that in the back of your head, all right? Mm-hmm. Eula Phillips, she was spending time at this brothel, especially an hour before she died, and that was located on South Congress. So, you know, while the, while the history detectives are investigating old newspaper articles, trying to find out more information about this case, you know, they stumble across uh, an article where the name of a young African-American male comes up and it piques their interest. Uh, his name is Nathan Elgin. And Nathan Elgin was, the article was talking about how this man named Nathan, uh, Nathan Elgin was in a barroom brawl. Yeah, he was in a barroom brawl and he, he attacked a woman in a saloon and he was shot to death by police because he was resisting arrest. Um, what is so interesting about this is that Elgin's autopsy shows that he's missing a toe on one of his feet. Um, and Elgin was killed right around the time the killing stopped as well. Like after he killed, there was no more, after he was killed, there was no more killings or murders. Um, so that's like, that's what piqued their interest. So they're like, okay, let's look more into this like Elgin, Nathan Elgin guy to see what we can find. Um, so they, 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 uh, sought out this guy named James Galloway, who's an author and researcher into the case. Um, and Galloway says that they took a cast of Elgin's foot during the autopsy and compared it to the bloody footprint that they found at the crime scene. And according to him, it was a match. Like it was the same size. He was missing a pinky toe. Um, he also fit the profile that like they kind of had set up like physically, like he was a young black male. Um, lived in the area, lived and worked in the area. And that's like going to the next point. So like, We'll just kind of kind of stay on the the footprint thing. Like the missing toe footprint was found at at the crime scene of three of the murders. So it wasn't like it was like because because you know what I thought about. It? I was like, okay, well maybe like you know sometimes you leave a footprint. It doesn't sometimes leave a full footprint. Like it's missing some toe. You know maybe mm-hmm. I was like that's a possibility. But for it to show up at three different crime scenes, 
it's definitely like okay this guy's missing his toe his pinky toe you know what i mean like yeah. I, I don't believe in coincidences to be honest um so and and after actually after elgin's death the sheriff at austin at the time said he believed that elgin was the serial killer um at the time of the murders uh nathan elgin was both a cook and a resident at a restaurant called Simon's. So he, he lived there and he worked there at this restaurant. Um, it was a high-end restaurant located at the corner of Congress and Pecan Street. Um, we know he had been arrested before for attacking a woman. And we also know that the killing stopped when he was killed. So the, the crazy thing that I want to point out is just the fact that um, he lived and worked in the restaurant, which was located on the corner of Congress and Pecan Street. If you remember, the first victim lived on Pecan Street. Yeah. So the fact that he worked at the corner of Pecan Street and in Congress is like crazy. And then you have Eula Phillips brothel on South Congress, which is not very far from Congress Avenue. Mm. It's just like, yeah, this guy was like, he knew the area well. Obviously, he worked and lived there. He was close to it. He fits the physical profile. You know, obviously, we may never know for sure because obviously the case is open and unsolved, but... Um, a lot of investigators and researchers who like have been studying this case for years, like that James Galloway guy, mm -hmm. he believes that it was Elgin. Um, Honestly, I have like so many doubts though. Like, yeah. I mean, I see the evidence, you know what I mean? Like he's a cook, he works nearby, he's missing a pinky toe. But then I'm also thinking like at the time they were just wanting to identify anyone as the killer, right? Mm -hmm. And just... Let's say they did find out who the killer was and he was some high-class white guy, right? Obviously, back in the day, the system could have been corrupt and been like, you know what, like, we know... It could have been a freaking politician or something. And then we're like, well, we know, like, no one's gonna... We don't want to convict you. Let's just get some random cook who's also a servant and say it's him, you know? Cover it up with the fact, like... Oh, let's just get some random black guy to take the fall for you. And maybe they're like, you just got to stop killing. You know what I mean? I just think in that sense. Like, what if they're like, you just got to stop killing. We won't tell people, the public, that it was you. You go about your life. We'll just get some random, you know, random black guy and have him take the fall for you. You know what I mean? Dang, you think that police said that to the actual killer? Yeah, like, what if they found out, oh, it is this... Because, like, my thing is, he's a he's a person of color as well. He is somebody who works at a restaurant as a cook. Why would he randomly go after... I mean, I can understand, like, it doesn't matter if, if I'm Mexican, if I go after Mexicans. But my thing is, like, at the time, you know, of the times, like, I just don't see it being, like really like why would he go after his own people that's just like what killers do yeah, they, they, yeah. they go after people in their own what they know you know what I mean like people in their own community because they know their community and it's just kind of like historically yeah. how it happens and you know depending on the timing if they were gonna scapegoat him as the killer they probably wouldn't waste their time uh, trying the uh, husband of Eula Phillips you know and convicting him, convicting him of, of murder only to overturn it later you know what I mean because, like, she was the last victim, and so... Exactly. I, anyone kill anyone. I don't know. But oh, I, it's I like, I don't fucking know. I feel like it would have to be, like, I don't know. I think you got these blinders on. I just like, it's feel like a... it's a white guy in society. <laughs> oh it's always a fucking white guy in society. Like, the, the Ku Klux Klan. I don't know what to say. The KKK, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they were all people of status in that club. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it was politicians, it was, like, police officers. So my thing That's is, true. That's if true. they found out it was one of their KKK members and they're a politician... Ooh, good point. They could have been like, left eye Joe is missing a damn toe. Like, <laughs> cut that black person's toe because yeah, he's right. less than you. The, That's a good point. The way they operated back then, especially, they were like a terrorist organization, you know? And so they wanted people, when they did bad stuff, when they would lynch people and stuff, they wanted people to know that they were behind it. They, they wanted black people to know that. Yeah, like, so the people would be afraid of them, you know? Yeah, but they all wore masks because they were trying to hide their identity. Yeah, I'm saying as a group, though. And that's why I'm also thinking maybe he did drag them out because <laughs> he was so already he had that mindset. <laughs> he wanted people to, so to know. My real quick. I hate the way you're looking at me. <laughs> like an <laughs> asshole. I'm just trying to say... I think it's a white guy. That's my last stance on it. I think it was Nathan. <laughs> God damn it, Nate. I, I honestly do. I honestly think it was Nathan as well. But, um, but okay, so what, what I was going to say before I like, kind of lost my train of thought was that in correlation to what Carl was saying, like, I feel like, you know, you, and it's, it's kind of, we see it in patterns, you know, we see it with like other serial killers too. They want to go after people, uh, they tend to usually go after people who won't be missed, that won't be sought after very much, right? Mm-hmm. And during that time, no one really, I mean, I'm not trying to be rude, I'm just stating the facts. No one cared if crimes happened against, you know, these black servants because they weren't white. And race was huge back then. Race was a huge issue back then, right? Yeah. Slavery had barely ended. So for, I'm, I'm trying to like get in the mind of this killer, right? I mean, because killers could be, kill like being a, a serial killer has no, you know, it has no like, it's not. There's no rule book. Yeah, it doesn't discriminate based on if you're white or black, like. You can be a serial killer whether you're Asian, Black, Hispanic, yeah. you know. So like, if you're a, um, if I'm this black male and I'm and I have these urges to rape and and kill, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then I'm thinking, okay, how can I do this and get away with it? Well, I'm not going to attack white women because police are going to be all on me. People, yeah. Police are going to give a bunch of coverage to it. They're going to have like a full out, like a full on like yeah, put a lot of resources hunt. towards finding exactly. If I go after someone who's black, not only am I more familiar with that, but also no one's really gonna care. No one's gonna miss them. You know, they're servants. Yeah. They're 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 bottom of the barrel. They're low class. Kind of like how Jack Thurper would go after prostitutes, and even um, the toy box killer would go after prostitutes because he knew no one would really care for them or look for them. So that's why I'm thinking like. He probably would do that, you know? And then just for the last two murders, he just got cocky and was like, well, got away with six. Could probably get away with these two. Yeah. But uh, what you did bring up was a good point, you know? Like, maybe it could be a white guy in the Ku Klux Klan or just a white guy in general and they're covering up. Who knows? Yeah, like... It's one of those mysteries. It could it's happen. It's a mystery of time. But I don't know. I if guess... I was a betting man, I'd bet Nathan Elgin was the guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Nathaniel. Nathaniel. Yeah, there, there's some other theories out there. I think you brought it up, like the Malay guy. The Malay cook. Malay cook, yeah. Malaysia. Oh, really? There was a cook around... Uh, I didn't actually read. The, <laughs> I just read... Yeah, I, I, don't actually I, I don't actually read. know how to read. Yeah, Malay, <laughs> something about Malay cook suspect that... Oh, my God. In Austin at the time, and then he moved away, and the killing stopped. I heard about that. Coincidence? I think not. So <laughs> you know how many people probably like moved away? I know. Right? <laughs> During that time. Probably a lot of people, but still. He could have been scared. He could have been like, I'm next. I like how I like how Carl was like gonna he like opened it up like as if he was gonna give us this big like spiel of like information and in-depth like yeah, stuff. I didn't lie. I was and then like, he was yeah. like, Well, I didn't actually read, but <laughs> I heard from a guy. I skimmed, all right. That's, that's a, a good skill to have. Cliff notes, uh-huh. spark notes on this. Yeah. Well, 
that's pretty much that pretty much wraps up the case you know it's a pretty short case uh, obviously it happened forever ago in 1884 and 1885 um so you know there's not like a whole lot more to that but the case does formally officially remain unopened and unsolved or unopened opened they haven't and unsolved. even started investigating it yet it's not open yet <laughs> yeah. they're currently waiting <laughs> to investigate for someone to come forward with information <laughs> Yeah. So if you have any invest, if you, if have, you have any information, <laughs> if you have any information. Call Austin Crime Stoppers. <laughs> you saw anything? Yeah. Call Austin Crime Stoppers at five one two six 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 six. All right. Um, but yeah, that's that's all the time we have for today. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Devil's Hour, the podcast for the strange and unusual. Thank you, Jubilee, for being here, and thank you, Carl, for being here. You're welcome. It was a grand old time. Uh, yeah. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much. Bye.